Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary high horsepower Randy Erickson. So we know a little bit more now about <clears throat> Untamed New England 2018. Uh, Grant indicates that it's going to be different than anything you've done. I think maybe a fair way of saying that in a different area. And sometime in late July. <clears throat> but I told them not too late because I think I will be with Paulette in France for the Trans-Pyrenees, which starts the 1st of August, so not too late in the month. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not a lot more going on than that still. Um... 138, 130, 129, 128 days to Cowboy Tough. So that's coming pretty quick. It's not going to be very long before it's here. Yeah, hopefully I will have some news on my participation, participation, uh, Primal Quest soon. Because everybody asks me and I'm like, I don't know yet. So maybe I'll know pretty soon. So that's about it. This one uh, with Katie has been sitting here on the uh, my computer desktop for a while. There's a couple of more, to, couple more, will be coming out pretty shortly. Um, it's just that sometimes we get these that are a little more uh, time sensitive. So but this one is. Had a good time with this one, so let's get it on. Um, everybody, hey, let's go fast, take chances, and enjoy your burrito. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi there. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Okay, first question. Can I just call you Super, or do I have to call you Super Kate? No, please just call me Kate. <laughs> well... I kind of like Super myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just a blog name. Yeah. So, and secondly, um, I guess I guess you're my Valentine's date. Paulette's in Florida, so. <laughs> oh, and my husband's downstairs. So yeah. happy yeah. Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Even though nobody will hear this on Valentine's Day, but that's all right. <laughs> so, um, give me the thumbnail sketch of who you are, so people will know, so we can move on. Okay, um, in real life, I'm a mom, and I'm a first-grade teacher, and in adventure life, I race with Team Beardus Adventure Racing. I've, so far, only done 30-hour um, races and less, um, but I love it. I, I adventure race, I mountain bike, I do a little bit of running, uh, life's gravel race. That's pretty much it. So, a little of everything. Do... You have is, do you have a favorite yet of all those? And I bet you it's yeah, not teaching first grade. <laughs> I do love that, but um, I feel like the most real me is definitely the one who's who's out on the race course or training. Um, adventure racing, I think, would be my favorite just because it combines everything. Hmm. But I really love mountain biking and I really love gravel racing. So. Um, you know, I'm pretty easy to please. <laughs> so, but well, let's let's 
start at the beginning. Your mom met your dad. Where were you? Where did you grow up at? Um, I grew up in Illinois, uh, same town that I live in now. I've lived in a couple other towns in Illinois, but I'm pretty much just a Midwest girl. So how do you get to, I understand gravel racing, but how do you get to mountain biking in Illinois? And I do know that there's mountain biking there, but where does, where does it come from? How do you get started? Um, where did I start? Yeah. We have, we have some mountain bike trails in my town at the local university. We have a great um, trail building organization, the Gateway Off-Road Cyclists, and they put in all kinds of trails in the St. Louis metro area. I'm not too far from St. Louis, and so we have a lot of great trails there. My first mountain bike ride was actually kind of a disaster. And about 15 to 20 minutes in, I fell and ended up dislocating my thumb badly enough to need surgery, although I didn't realize that until about two hours later when we finished riding and I took off my glove. So uh, it's been an uphill battle. <laughs> so, well, there's there's something about you people, and I like to say you people, that you crash 15 minutes in and here you are still racing. You know, it's adventure racing. Yeah. Um, I don't – mountain biking has been a really hard thing for me to pick up. And I had to be able to do it to adventure race. And mm -hmm. so it was one of those things that let me really stick with something that did not come naturally to me because I so badly wanted to do an adventure race. And so I knew I just had to suck it up and do it. Yeah. it, it was it hard technically or physically? Why, why was it hard for you to pick up? I, I'm just not, I'm not very natural. I have a lot of fear. Um, like physically, not so much. The technical part is difficult, and anything almost could be technical for me. I mean, I get I get worried about things that most people would wouldn't even think twice about. So it's kind of that, but I got to go to work Monday morning thing, right? Right. Yeah. You know, not a spring chicken. It takes a little <laughs> bit longer to heal. Why? So you find? I mean. What's the right word? So you find it kind of not easy mentally to do it. Why do you do that in everything? If you find something hard or a little bit scary, does it make you just want to do it? I think it's in spite of that. I mean, I, I say sometimes to my friends, you know, I'm like, everything I love scares me to death. You know, like mm -hmm. I, so, so many, the rocks part of races, um, you know, being up in high places, mountain biking, you know, I don't know why I'm called to do these things that frighten me, but um, it just, it's so much fun. You know, maybe it is because you feel so much more alive. So, yeah, is it, is it, do you like, do you like it afterwards? Yeah, once you're not dead at the end, it's awesome. <laughs> um, so, which is better, doing it or telling people later still doing it but the yeah. story the story is a lot of fun do you and well, well I'll, I'll ask you this right off the off the bat and then we'll talk about it a little bit what's your what's your best uh you know best and worst six hours uh, i knew that question was coming so the, the I, worst I try not to ask it every time anymore but but my point being are you going to come up with your worst first? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. My worst was um, at the Thunder Rolls race one year. It, we had a really long paddling leg, and anybody who's read more than two of my adventure race reports knows that I'm not a fan of paddling. If uh, Typically, I'm scheming how to avoid it, if at all possible, as soon as we plot points. But we had a long paddling leg. It was three of us in the canoe, and we had ended up grabbing a canoe with a broken middle seat. And that's the one that I was in. So I spent the whole time, and and I mean, a long paddling for leg for us. You know, this is a 24-hour race, so I think it was like maybe six or seven hours. It wasn't like the 15 or crazy, crazy lengths that some of the people who do the expedition races have to deal with. But it was like seven hours of having to hold myself up because the seat was tilted backwards, um, and it was just I. It was really difficult. It was really painful. Yeah. Good core workout, though. Definitely. <laughs> so, well, then the flip side is where, where, what's the best? There's so many good memories. Maybe um, Stubborn Mule Race up in, like, the Hayward Cable area of Wisconsin has a lot of really good single track. Um, so maybe that, or just, you know, I have great teammates and anytime I'm spending time out in the woods with them is fantastic, but it definitely doesn't stick out like, uh, like the worst. Yeah. Okay. Here's a a spanner, spanner in the works. What's the hottest race you have done? Um, (laughs) Hellbender race in not this past July, but the year before, I think it was like, 97 degrees and um it was pretty miserable you know in missouri we've got that humidity yeah. too so we don't have that dry heat it's just hot heat yeah well i don't know i think mother mother load might have been warmer than that oh yeah that's true <laughs> but it was a dry heat yeah it was still pretty bad <laughs> yeah that was a that was a, a a miserable date even to be driving around with the air conditioning on and and, oh. and trust me i turned the air conditioning on I I would have, too, if I'd had any choice. Uh, It was a gorgeous, gorgeous race. I mean, I'd go back in a heartbeat. Well, you know, eventually you'll get back here. So what what came first? Was it it mountain bike racing or adventure racing? Or how, how did you progress through the various levels of the sport? So I really had just started out, um, I got my first, you know, not department store bike and um, it was just a hybrid and riding some trails and then my aunt talked me into riding the Katy Trail with her and she said something about, oh, it's, you know, this day it's really short, it's only 50 miles and I thought she was like, only 50 miles? Um, But I was logging my, I was logging my mileage from like my 5K and my, you know, 20 mile bike rides on this website called Daily Mile and a friend of mine, a very casual friend, had posted, oh, we're doing this adventure race this weekend here. You can check out this um, check out this online race coverage. You know, who knows what will happen? And so I logged on and was immediately enthralled. I was mm-hmm. like, I have to do this. I called my brother. I was like, check this out. We have to do this. And so it was that desire to do adventure racing that brought about mountain biking. Okay. So. So and then so what was what was your first adventure race then? 
Um, my first official race was the um, the Berryman Adventure Race, mm-hmm. and it was a 12-hour. And uh, but before that, the guys who I have ended up racing with had put on a they put on different practice adventure races. So I'd gone and done one of those, and it was supposed to be about like five or six hours, and I think it ended up being eight hours. But the Berryman was my first official Fish one. Race. Do you? And, and you probably know. Well, when, uh, let me let me preface that. How long ago was that? Two thousand and eleven. Yeah. Two thousand eleven. So, yeah. So six years now, right? Hard to believe. Yeah. Where? How is adventure racing? Is it growing in the Midwest? Staying the same? Down a little bit? You know, from what you're seeing. Um, I I would say it's probably about the same. We had um, a great promoter who was right in the Missouri area who put on several races, and they haven't been as active. Um, they're kind of taking a couple years off, but some other organizations around have have been picking up races. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're willing to drive five hours or so, we've got a lot around us. I mean, it's – I think maybe most people know, but – there are a lot of races in the Midwest, just a lot of, you know, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirty-hour races that maybe as many, as much as anywhere in the country. Right. We've got, we've got a lot, you know, um, some eight hours, some 12 hours, 24 hours, a few 30 hours. So we've got a pretty good range. So, um, how many races do you do a year of all kinds? I, I think last year was like eighteen total. So that's a, so that was a combination of gravel and mountain bike and adventure, um, couple running races. Mm-hmm. I really just run so that I don't die on the trekking legs anymore. <laughs> it's not it's not something I'm really called by. Yeah, that's you know, it's like that's why I hike all the time because that's what I have to do. Right. Yeah, let's let's keep that running part out of it. <laughs> So, so okay, so a little mountain biking, a little adventure racing, and then how do you get into the gravel? Is that just part of the fact that everybody in the world is gravel racing now? Well, um, it wasn't quite everybody in the world when I first started. The first year I did Dirty Kansas, I don't think it even sold out for a long time. Mm-hmm. The guys who I adventure raced with, a bunch of them had done it, the previous year and so they had registered and I hadn't registered right away but then one of them thought maybe he couldn't go and so they talked me into taking his his entry and long story short he ended up going but I got a last minute entry so I think I registered literally the last day you possibly could and it was a month before the race started so I think I the first year I attempted Dirty Kanza which you know is 200 miles it was on a long ride of 75. Um, yeah. And I, I did it on a borrowed bike, and I ended up making it 160 miles. But from then on, I, w- I was pretty hooked. You know, once I once I don't succeed at something, I feel really, I really want to go back and do it again and, and succeed. So it took me three tries. Hmm. So is it, so in your mindset, like if you had gone that first year and finished, you, would you have gone back to that particular race again, or would you have gone on to something else? I probably would have. It, it's a really, it's a really cool race, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. But I wouldn't have needed to. Yeah. Like I needed to go back and try again. Yeah, 
Well, I personally hate gravel racing and wish it had been around 20-some years ago when I was actually (laughs) – because, you know, back in the day – because we lived in in Sioux Falls in the eastern part of the state, and I was riding 100 miles, you know, Saturday and maybe Sunday both every day, but there was no such thing as a gravel race. And it's just like – right. Man, where were those when I was good? No kidding. <laughs> so, so I kind of don't like them because they should have been around before. That's right. So, um, I, I, do you know anything about adventure race history? Have you gone back and looked at any of the you know races on YouTube or anything like that, or are you too busy? training no you know i haven't i haven't really looked back at anything you know i know about eco challenge i don't think it was even like i don't think i knew about it though at the time like mm-hmm. it never really crossed my crossed my screen yeah. at, at that point so it's only been since since i started that i i really got a better understanding of it but the most i've seen is clips that robin benincasa would play at talks that i've mm-hmm. seen her give <laughs> So, well, yeah, because I'm always curious, you know, and it, it's honestly, it's finding, it's harder to find people that have, are, know the history a little bit, but from what you know, would, would those have been fun? Would it, would you like to have done an eco challenge? Oh, you know, they look amazing and terrifying. <laughs> so I, I probably assuming I could afford it mm. would be all about it. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to have done it once it was over. So, Oh, that's, so yeah. During. <laughs> that's my uh, infamous. I think I've talked about this before. My Tim Cahill story. He climbed the Iger and with a young kid. And he said the difference between them is the kid wanted to climb the Iger and Cahill said, I wanted to have climbed the Iger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Maybe something about getting old says something about that. Uh, Jumping back for just a second, did you have any athletic background? You said you were running 5Ks and stuff like that, but as a kid or? Um, As a kid, I played soccer like in grade school. I played basketball all through grade school and high school, but it was strictly team sports. Uh, You know, I had a bike. I rode bikes around town with my friends, but – you know, if I rode more than five miles in a day, I would have been amazed by it. So, no, I um, – everything I do now, are they're all things I never would have dreamed of doing before. <laughs> you know, and it's such a it's, – it's just so cool to be able to do it. What – what do the uh, – as a, an example, what do the other teachers think about you? When you come back on Monday morning and you say, oh, what did you do? Oh, I rode 200 miles. <laughs> Some of them think I'm crazy, yeah. but we actually have um, a lot of super active, you know, we have marathoners and, you know, there's other teachers who ride bikes and, you know, everybody, the, all the people who ride bikes, if they crash and they fall, they want to come and show me because I'm notorious for coming to school with like <laughs> scars and scrapes and so anybody else who crashes, they're like, "Oh, look what I did!" <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, what I do is a little bit, a little bit more. I'm yeah. kind of in a place there. I, I work with a lot of people with younger kids, and my youngest now is 13, so that gives me a lot more freedom 
to do things than some of them do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Um, do you kind of a two part? What do your kids, your first graders, think about that? And three parter, do they kind of understand that? And do you use what your fun and incorporated into uh, teaching? I definitely talk to them about it, and they know, um, you know, if I have to take off a Friday because I'm traveling to a race, you know, I tell them about it, and I show them pictures when I come back, and um, they're always super curious. They want to know how it went. They love to see the pictures. Um, they, like my own children, think I race a little bit too much. <laughs> um, oh, you have another race? <laughs> Um, as far as incorporating it into the curriculum, other than just kind of vocabulary type of things, um, not really. So, I, I would guess, you know, you're probably trying to teach the boys how to button their shirt the right way, so maybe gravel grinding isn't what they need to learn. Right. You know, like reading and math, that's yeah. our that's our big focus. You know, it is funny, though, because even when they see a picture, they really don't have any kind of a concept of what it is that I'm doing. And I came in one day and it, it's been a couple of years ago, but I'd crashed and my leg was all scraped up. And one of my kids says to me, Mrs. Geisen, my parents, they, when I was learning how to ride a bike, they got me these training wheels and it really helped. <laughs> you know, like, they, they don't realize that I'm doing like, big thing. Yeah. They just think sometimes I'm not that good at what, you know, I'm not that good at riding a bike down the sidewalk. Yeah. Well, you know, apparently you're a good teacher. They like you. They don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. They do love me. So I love them back. Um, so let's, you, you know how this goes. I jump around, but so kind of a reason why I wanted to, to chat now, and I keep this sort of a, a list in my head of people I want to talk to. And, and partially, you know, I like reading your blog, so that was part of it. But then the thing that really kind of interested me is, is you're sort of taking this year off. Sort of. Sort of. So let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> and, and um, I mean, most people don't understand the reason. you got a family, you got a kid, you got real-world life, but... How do you uh, decide that this is the year? Well, and, and taking it off is... I mean, yes, yeah, so I understand. You're not taking it off, but... <laughs> I, of. I'm cutting back on a little bit of my travel and trying to trying to cut down on booking so many weekends. Mm-hmm. I really do love to race, um, but I, I kind of have my eye on Tour Divide in a few years, and so I, A... I feel like I need to start accumulating some experience for that, not just the mileage, but getting out with a loaded bike Mm -hmm. and bikepacking and spending multiple days of distance. But then on the other side of that is the fact that I only do have one kid at home right now, and he's 13, and my husband doesn't race, but he does like to hike. And so I'm trying to spend less time in racing and to give myself more time available for some of the experiences that I need, both training experiences and just family experiences. Mm -hmm. We want to get out and we want to do some backpacking. And, um, you know, my son's 13. He's, he's past where he's a little kid, but he's still here in the house. And we've really only got about, you know, five more years with them living at home. And 
you know how like the older kids get, the more time they spend with their friends and the more time they're out. So yeah. he's only going to like you for about two of, out of those five years. So you better take advantage of it. That's right. <laughs> so, so, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you've, to me that you've made this like conscious decision because, you know, fortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, you know, never had kids. It was just Paulette and I, I mean, I literally raced 30 years for 30 years with a break for six months when I broke my knee. So, you know, it right. probably, and it probably would have been better to, you know, take a little, you know, time off and have fun and, and uh, do what you're doing. So I think it, that's pretty smart. Well, and I struggle with balance because mm-hmm. I, I love to race and I have awesome teammates and it's just so much fun to spend time with them. And it's, there's so many things available around here that it's, it's really easy to get yourself so booked up that then when something just fun and random comes up, you're not available. You know, either I just finished racing and I need to stay home with my family or, you know, I've. I've raced the last two weekends and I'm so tired. So I'm just trying to carve out a little bit more space and right, be a little bit more conscious about it. Yeah. I do tend to be kind of selfish. Um, I had my oldest when I was 19. So where a lot of people were out and, you know, kind of like living it up mm-hmm. is in their late teens and twenties, I was parenting. Yeah. And so um, it's only been the last eight years or so that I've really had a little bit more freedom and, you know, have been able to afford both the time and the money to do a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that's – everything you do is not a young, poor person's sports. Right. <laughs> and, and and people wonder, well, how come, you know, young people aren't getting into adventure racing? Well, when they're, when they're out every weekend with their friends partying and, two, they have no money. Right. <laughs> so they just – all they have is time and youth. I hate them. But that's that's such a cool thing about endurance sports yeah. is like you look around at any given event and there's people ten years older, fifteen years older, and they're still killing it. Yeah. And so that's a great thing to see, you know, that you're not necessarily limited by, you know, oh my gosh, if I don't do this by the time I'm forty, which I'd be way past that, mm-hmm. you know, then then you're going to miss out. You know, people are racing at a high level, you know, in their 50s and, and past that. Yeah. And even in it, you know, if I can go out there and do it, like I don't even need to be at a high level. I'm just happy to be there. Yeah. I, I As somebody that's older, I, I, I hear you. But does do you have a little bit of that, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm wasting a year. You know, even though you might, you probably got 25 more years of racing. I mean, um, you know, no, really. I'm not, I'm not cutting out that much. Yeah, you know, okay. I'm, I'm not traveling to, I'm not traveling to Kansas here. I'm doing Dirty Kansas. I'm not, you know, I'm not committing the kind of money that that weekend would cost. Hmm. Um, I probably would be going out to to South Dakota again for mother load, except I have a race conflict. So I'm definitely not laying off. Um, I'm just kind of cutting back a little bit on, on the more expensive things or the more travel intensive things to to leave space for more informal things that I want to do. I I always still, you know, if I take a week where I do less, you know, and I'm looking at Strava and I see, 
everybody else who I know and they're logging miles and I, I start to feel a little bit anxious, like, oh, I'm falling behind. Um, but race-wise, not so much. Okay. Are you uh, addicted to Strava? I'm not the kind of addicted like I have to go out there and, and try and get the KOM of some segment all the mm-hmm. time. Um, sometimes I have to not look at it so I don't see what other people are doing and, and get frustrated that I'm not doing yeah. it. But for me, it's been a really great tool to kind of be able to measure my own progress. I ride with a lot of people who are faster than me. And so when you're constantly catching up to another group, you know, you don't know how long they've been waiting. And so it's just really hard to judge if there's been any progress. Um, But, you know, I can look at Strava and I can, okay, well, I took time off of that segment. So, you know, even if I don't always see that improvement in being able to keep up, I can see it more objectively. Yeah, that's that's a good way of using it. But the same token, how many how many times will you ride around the block to uh, round it off? Oh, I, I am not. I'm not a slave to my Strava like that. Oh. I can end at point eight any day. <laughs> no, I think you know. I I was always willing to do like six, six trips around the block to round <laughs> off. I did this summer. I rode. Um, I rode a century by myself while some other friends were out doing a gravel race, and um, I did do that for that because I wanted to hit the 100 mile mark. And it was started. This horrible storm was starting, and I, you know, like right. Riding, riding laps around the block until the lightning got bad enough. But I did get my 100 that day. Okay. So, well, at least you're honest about it because a lot of people, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. And then you look and every ride you do is exactly on the mile. Right. Yeah, yeah. they don't all have to be like that, but sometimes I will. Yeah. Um, all right, switch gears here. Why did you start blogging about your adventures? I think just to kind of, well, when I first started running, and I'm not, I'm not a fast runner at all. Um, I never have been. Um, and we have, we have a tri club in town, and some of the people in it would say, "Oh, you should join." And like, you know, everybody's too fast. I don't belong in that group. And somehow I found some running blogs, and it wasn't the people who were like super fast whose blogs I was reading. It was people who were back of the pack and, um, but out there and doing really cool things and totally belonged there. And, and so for me, that was part of it too. Like just to realize, well, it really doesn't matter if you're fast people, mm-hmm. most people who are out there running, you know, there's some people who are at the front of the pack, but even those people are super encouraging to most people around yeah. them. Um, so, you know, just for me, that realization that you could belong without being a, a winner was um, was kind of valuable. And, and so I wanted to write about that for myself, too. Yeah. Do you... And I love having it to look back. I'm, I'm sure I'm my own best reader <laughs> <laughs> because I'm always looking back and, you know, reading over things I've written and reliving some of the races that I've done. Yeah. Well, that... That's just totally wrong and shouldn't ever happen and you'll never you'll never catch me looking at one of my videos on YouTube hardly ever. <laughs> I'm sure. I it's just something it, it is it it really brings back um yeah the, the feelings and um yeah just that um 
Yeah, the feeling of it. We have, I have a video I did. actually won a couple of awards from Primal Quest. And it's, it was the night rope section. And it was Paulette in it. And every once in a while, for some reason, it'll come up. And he and says it just... She goes back to that place exactly how she was feeling and how tired she was and how much fun it was. So I think right. you, you probably get that from the blog, right? Very much. And, you know, a place for, for the pictures to live, you know. Yeah. We've had we've had other teams we raced with tell us, you know, if you guys didn't take so many pictures, you'd, <laughs> you'd probably move up in the standings. But uh, we're really more, you know, we're adventure racers, not mm-hmm. adventure racers. Yeah. You know, we're much more about the experience than than the time. We want to do the best that we can, but really, we're out there just for the adventure. Yeah, I was just realized that you do have the advantage of having summers, right? Yeah, um, I, I have a little bit more flexibility than some people. Yeah, not. Maybe not as much as as what you would imagine. You know, I still have I still have somebody at home yeah. who I can't just take off all the time. Even if he would probably prefer that I leave <laughs> and get to spend the whole day yeah. on his video games. Yeah. Um, and actually, over the summer tends to be where I lose fitness. Um, you know, it's it's silly, but if you're not a disciplined person, which I'm not that disciplined, um, you know. Why wake up at six in the morning to go run when you have all day long? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll go at eight. Well, then I just ate. So maybe I'll go at 10. Well, now it's really hot. So maybe I'll go this evening. And, you know, then by six o'clock, you're like, well, I'll just run tomorrow. Yeah. And so um, this year I did better at staying on the bike. Typically what happens is I'll have my, my June big gravel race. And after that, I kind of spend the rest of the summer not really wanting to look at my bike. Mm. And um, this year, you know, I'm sure part of it was because I only made it 100 miles at Motherload. Um, but I spent a ton of time on my mountain bike. And um, so I, did, I didn't lose bike fitness like I usually do. So, well, you, you're, you learn something every year. I mean, do – Hopefully. Yeah. Is, is there been a lesson like in the last year that – you like almost like slap your forehead and like, well, duh. Um, I keep relearning <laughs> about eating mm-hmm. when I'm racing. Um, that's, that's always a rough one for me. Um, I did finally set a timer on my Garmin and so it'll go off every 15 minutes just to remind me to eat something small. And so that's, that's been a big, that's been a big help, but it still seems like I'm constantly you know, nine times out of 10 or seven times out of 10, looking back at how a race went and thinking, well, you know what? That's when I stopped eating and that's when things went downhill. So, well, you're a smart person. You'll learn sometime in the next 10 years. Right, eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, since you are such a racer and we'll we'll just, you know, generalize, how do you lay out a year's of races do you i mean do you start looking at them you know january or, or you know a couple of years ahead i know you know you said you're looking at tour divide so you know do you sort of have a six month one year five year plan um no not so much it, um you know there's some there's some that i knew that i wanted to do um like some some usual midwest races um and then 
but I'm not one to sign up ahead of time. I have a big family. My husband has a big family. Um, you know, and so I'll skip a birthday if it's not my kid's birthday. Mm -hmm. I have been known to skip my husband's birthday, but, um, you know, I'll skip a family birthday for a race, but sometimes weddings come up. So yeah. unless it's something I have to register for way in advance, usually I, I'll have a couple big things. Like if I have a big gravel race, I'll have that kind of planned. And then I'm just kind of a big one on grabbing whatever comes up that looks like fun. That's probably a good way to do it. And, you know, I think that's the advantage of being where you are is – yeah, you can find something every weekend within a reasonable distance, pretty much. Right, you really could. Yeah, yeah, not uh, like Western South Dakota, where the the only reason they know what an adventure race is because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> but we have do have a lot of gravel races starting and fat bike and all that stuff. So, well, that's something. Yeah. How come you don't have a fat bike? You know, I've got I've got three mountain bikes already. I think my husband might leave me if I bought another one. Yeah. Well, yeah. And a fat bike would be hard to justify around here without a lot of disposable income. Okay. Just because we like this summer we've had one one time when we had a decent amount of snow. It's it's gone between like twenty and sixty to seventy this winter. Um you know, we don't have any reliable snow here. Yeah. Now, if I lived closer to Wisconsin or Michigan, yeah. um, then I probably would have a hard time not getting one. Yeah, well, you know, X plus one, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, you know, then then this is the – here's the obligatory joke. Um, if you die, are you hoping your husband doesn't sell the bikes for what you said they cost? <laughs> We actually have a don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. Yeah. You know, he, he trusts that I'm not spending more than I should on bikes, and uh, I'd go with that. Yeah. But I really don't. I don't. My bikes, if you added what I've spent on all my bikes together, um, there's still some some pretty not decent bikes that you couldn't you couldn't afford with that money. So I'm pretty thrifty. Yeah. I I was always that way too. It's well, you know, get shop deals, and I I was never one to shy away from used stuff either. So it's like I don't have to right. have the latest and fanciest. I think of all my bikes, only my gravel bike was bought new. So, so you know that's and that was like a it was a five hundred dollar mail order bike. Yeah, you know, and it's taken me all kinds of places. Well, it's the motor, as somebody said, but you know what. It's still the nice. To have, yeah. <laughs> I remember, I don't think I've actually ever even had a carbon bike. So that's been that how long since I bought a new bike. But I remember grabbing somebody's throwing up in a vehicle. And it's like, that is kind of light. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, my new mountain bike is a, it's a single speed and it's aluminum, but you know, it doesn't have that much other stuff on it and it's so light yeah. and picking that up aside from any of my other bikes i have a light road bike but mm -hmm. i don't ride roads so it lives on a trainer yeah you know it could be the heaviest bike in the world it wouldn't matter because it's on a trainer yeah so yeah well i like and i think especially single speed because mine is a is a tomac you know double lot buck but it was my friend eric Barr actually built it when he was working at tomac and then it was oh. his bike, 
and it's on like permanent loan to me. So I think especially That's the single, best. yeah, what a story. So, um, okay. I'm going to, let's see, King Solomon's question, sort of. <laughs> Tour divide or God zone? Ooh. <laughs> wow. Um, if somebody was paying for me to do it, I would totally go to God zone. Okay. Um, otherwise, I probably couldn't afford the travel. But yeah. just, ooh. It's, well, but then you think I'd have, to, I'd have to say God's own. I mean, like another country and such an epic race. And then I'd just do Tour Divide 2 later. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know, that's, not, that's cheating. That's a, it's a death match, but, you know, we'll we'll take it. I understand. It's I, I always hate death match questions, but it is kind of fun sometimes. Right. So why, what is what is the uh, fascination with Tour Divide? Uh, you know, I guess like everybody else who's watched the movie Ride the Divide, you know, I saw it and it just it looked amazing. And and the idea of traveling on your bike from Canada to the border with Mexico, it's gorgeous. Um, it just it looks incredible. Yeah, yeah you can't argue that. Other than um, last year? Two years, two years ago, when I headed out to, to uh, Tahoe for Primal Quest, um, I was on the road that the Tour Divide takes through that long stretch of Wyoming. And oh, that, it, the money! Yeah, it did not look like because I passed like four or five riders. Not because it wasn't race time. You know, it was just. I mean, you can tell that's what they're doing. You right. Know, they weren't having any fun. No, <laughs> that you know, and that's. Pushing your bike through mud, especially when you're when you're pushing a bike that heavy, is um, is no good time. Yeah. All right. So here, let's see, let's see what you think about this. Um, I got a couple of friends that are getting ready to head up to Alaska for the Iditarod Invitational. Ever have? What do you think about that? Thousand miles in Alaska in the winter. That looks incredible, but it's really cold. Uh, I, I think I'm going to stay a I'm going to stay a sideline fan for that one. Uh, I do love what a great job they do with online tracking mm-hmm. and and keeping their Facebook page up to date, and it's a great race to follow. And I'm pretty happy just following it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. I'm actually been added to a couple of groups because I'm I'm hoping. I have a couple of riders and get a few more that are going to uh, give me their video when they get done so we can maybe do something. But Oh, that would be incredible. I mean, boxes and boxes of stuff that, they, that they're deciding now because they have to send to drops. Right. And it's just like, man, you think it's hard, you know, getting your gear ready for adventure racing where, you know, two days in advance, you know, right. six weeks. So. Yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to watch some of that, you know, some mm-hmm. of the preparations online, and um, you know, it's crazy to me too. It's you know, like the people who walk it carrying sleds, and you know, the yeah. people who ride it, the people who ski it. It's, it's mm-hmm. that's a crazy race. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna dot watch too and see what happens. But so um, so a little think about wrapping this up but anything else on your 
for lack of a better term, your bucket list other than Tour Divide? Is there anything that you're kind of pretty sure you want to do someday? I would love to do Cowboy Tough. Okay. Um, that looks, that looks, I really would like to do an expedition race. And, you know, there've been several that aren't that far away from here, Mm -hmm. but you know, I have, I have all summer off, but getting off during the school year gets a lot trickier. You know, I only have so many, so many personal days. And so I have to be wise about how I use them. And so it's kind of hard to to take off for an extended amount of time during the school year. Yeah. So, um, but you know, as, as, uh, as time goes by and my son gets older and who knows what's going to happen, but yeah, I'd love to do an expedition race. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, it, it's like if 30 hours is good, four days has got to be better, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, sleep, who needs sleep? <laughs> you sleep when you're dead. Right. <laughs> So, um, so what, okay, what is, what is your next race? Do you have anything planned? Um, yes. In two weeks, I think I'll be at land between the lakes for the, um, LBL 24 hour. Mm -hmm. And then the week after that, I'll be in Oklahoma for land run, which is a gravel race. Okay. And then. So it's a great taper, right? Yeah. 24 hour race is a really good taper. (laughs) <laughs> okay, can I can I humble brag once? When Absolutely. I when I was doing triathlons, and I was pretty good for the Upper Midwest, which isn't saying much. I once raced nine weekends in a row, including a half and two full Ironman. Wow! Plus all the driving, because so I don't think you need a humble brag. I think that's worthy of just a plain old brag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I don't know if it was smart, but. Those were the days that, because I was actually a pretty good cyclist, I could swim okay, so I could come, I'd come out of the water way back, blow everybody off on the bike, and could run well enough to hold on. So, but, nice. Yeah, so a, that's a perfect taper as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, and then the rest of you are just going to play it by ear. Um, yeah, like I have, um, there will be one in the Shawnee National Forest in June. Um there's several Missouri level gravel races that I'll do. And, um, there's an adventure race. I always do in August up at Thunder Rolls and then, right. Just kind of, kind of see what comes up. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. See people. That's, that's what taking a year off is. If you're an adventurous person. (laughs) Right. Hopefully there'll be, um, hopefully there'll be some backpacking and some bikepacking weekends in there too, which is the, the whole reason behind the taking a year off to free up some of those weekends. So hopefully I'm going to use a little bit more discipline and keep some of that open. So I'm ready to, to jump at opportunities. So when you go, like if you're going for a family weekend with backpacking, where do you guys go? Well, we've never done it yet. That's, okay. that's our goal for this year. Um, so we've got the, the Ozark trail in Missouri mm-hmm. is only a couple hours away and that's a great destination. We're going to start out though with, you know, a couple miles in and camp and then um, a couple miles out and, and work our way up. Yeah. So my, my husband is, is all behind this plan. My son isn't so sure about it. So um, we're going to, we're going to ease him into it. What? <laughs> okay. This, Oh, I love this question. What will you consider a successful family backpacking weekend? 
um, no crying would be good. Okay. Um, but I, I think really as long as we all come back without needing medical intervention, that's probably a success. You know, we, we just went for a family hike on, on Sunday and, um, my son was not, not thrilled about the plan. And so he was, he was cranky about it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told my husband later, I'm like, okay, we just need to remember that, you know, this kind of thing isn't necessarily going to be fun at the time, but you know, we've learned from having the older two that things that aren't necessarily fun, yeah, just like adventure racing, mm-hmm. you know, that type two fun. <laughs> like, yeah. When you're in the middle of it, it's not that awesome. But when you're looking back a few years later, they remember it as having been a good time. And so, you know, if he can look back when he's older and think about the cool things that we did as a family, even if he was kind of opposed to it at the time, yeah. I can play the long game, and, and that'll be a success. So that sounds like welcome to parent talk. Sounds like good parenting to me. <laughs> what what well, do I know? I got birds and a dog. But <laughs> so, I think... That's a good place to quit. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you. It was fun. Thank you. And then everybody else, you know, go fast, take chances, be kind, rewind, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm, I might have to start uh, a new – I might have to come up with a new phrase. It's been three years. This is like my third year anniversary, so maybe it's time to change. So. Yeah. Well, and for me, it would be like go cautiously. Don't yeah. take chances. chances. Don't come home bleeding. There you go. Go fast. Don't come home bleeding. There you go. All right. Thanks. It's been fun. All right. Thanks, Randy. All right. Bye. bye.
Good night.